0: It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. As you look back over last year, it's clear you could have done a better job managing your finances. And perhaps you're thinking, you know what, no worries, this is the year when I'll finally save more and spend less. But you know what, if you want to rise above the 90% of Americans whose resolutions fail, you'll need more than just good intentions. Well, you're in luck because today Donna Skeel Seigen is joining me today on Amy's Table, and she is the author of The Joy of Financial Security, The Art and Science of Becoming Happier and Managing Your Money Wisely and Creating a Secure Financial Future. And Donna, that sounds good. Welcome to Amy's Table.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Amy. Well, you know,
0: this book is interesting to me because you're bringing science into all of this, but I'm wondering, you know, what is the relationship between happiness and money?
1: You know, some people think that they're not related at all. I happen to think they're connected at the hip. And when I started my first financial planning practice about 16 years ago, I very quickly realized that the clients who had a healthy relationship with money were happier overall, and those clients who were really struggling were less happy. So I saw that connection And the way we manage our money and the way we spend our money has a very definite impact on our happiness. Well, what do you
0: think is the number one difference between people who are secure and people who are always struggling? Is it money management?
1: In my mind, it is saving. It comes down to saving. Now, one thing I'd like to stress is that when people are struggling with money and they're not good savers, I really encourage them not to beat themselves up because generally that comes from the money messages we received as children and the way we were taught to deal with money. And so there's actually in my book and on my website, there's this list of money messages that I encourage people to work their way through and kind of remember, what were you taught about money? Were you taught good, healthy practices? Or was it very negative? And and maybe that's why a person has a really hard time saving. But it literally comes down to saving and starting that practice. And once it starts and you set it up so it's automatic, maybe it's only $10 a month initially, you start seeing that grow, it becomes easier over time. And right now, it's a great time if people have been fortunate enough to get a tax refund, they should put half of that into savings. And that will kickstart a savings plan very quickly.
0: You know, that makes so much sense. A a lot of, um, I think, excuse me, money management is a lot like dieting. The people who think, okay, I'm going to save $10,000 this year versus the people who are like, you know what, a bite at a time. I'm going to just save a little bit more. And one of the things that's right on the cover of your book is simplify. So how do you simplify your approach to savings? I love the idea of half your tax return, but what are some other ways to simplify your approach?
1: Well, simplifying is is a concept that helps our finances, and also brings us happiness. And so it's one of those what I call a compound benefit. Um, From a financial standpoint, often people have, if they happen to be good savers, they have accounts scattered everywhere, lots of different companies, brokerage firms, banks, and I encourage them to simplify that and consolidate as much as possible. In terms of savings, I think it's a matter of, as you said, the analogy to dieting is just so spot on. It's a matter of taking one step at a time. So for starting a savings program, I would say, you know, look at what you spend your money on. Pay attention. In my family, I decided we're not buying any more soda at the grocery store. So soda comes off the list. We eat out less. We look at ways we can save, and then that money can be redirected into savings. And then once it starts to accumulate. Then you can set it up so you have your bank or your brokerage firm automatically pull it from your checkbook at the beginning of each month. And then you don't notice it even being gone. And then it really kind of kicks into gear.
0: That makes so much sense. And you know, that's the biggest thing is that auto deduction from your paycheck. If it's not in your check, you don't have to make the decision. To save. It's already been made for you when you had lots of willpower going on, which I think just makes so much sense. Well, you have three steps that someone can take when they want to take good control of their money. What are those?
1: Well, one of them would be to actually sit down and do a net worth statement. So, this falls into that category of paying attention and deciding you're going to get on top of your finances. So, again, people can go to my website, and we'll give that out later, but there's all kinds of tools we've put on the website free of charge, and one of them is a net worth statement. And you literally you write down your assets, you write down your debts, which are also called liabilities, and the bottom line is your net worth. Most people do not have a clue what their net worth is because they never get their arms around all of the stuff that's scattered. So that's the first step I recommend. And then you do that each year, and you will see tremendous progress if you start paying attention to your finances. So that's number one. Number two is to get the savings started. And number three is to decide that, This is the year you're going to tackle the finances and you're going to go through some of these steps. You're going to become a more educated. If you do have an investment account, you should know why you have the investments in there that you do. You should understand your risk tolerance. You should understand enough so that someone else is not controlling your finances. You actually are controlling them, whether or not you have a broker or a financial advisor. So the third step would be to educate yourself. And again, it's little tiny steps. It's not a huge project. It's just deciding you're going to take those steps, the net worth statement, and then the savings, and then starting to educate yourself and... And a person can very quickly make huge progress on their finances.
0: Yeah, and that's so important. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Donna Skills Seigen. She's the author of The Joy of Financial Security, and that's one way you can educate yourself. And the website that she mentioned is joyoffinancialsecurity.com, and I'll put a link to that on amy-tobin.com as well. But so this all makes so much sense. And one of the things I know that can inspire change in people is thinking, what would I do for the kids? What do I want for my kids? And so, you know, you talk a little bit about family and and finances. How can we become a stronger family financially?
1: Well, I think this is really an important issue. And many of my clients are retired or they're close to retirement, and they often bring up this issue of how can I be a good role model to my kids and my grandkids? Because they do think, you know, the kids and the grandkids are encouraged to use a credit card too quickly, and they tend to have debt, and it's just a very different environment now when kids are coming out of college than it was when we did. It was easier for us to find a job. And so the key, I think, in this issue is we need to make a very firm commitment to not keep up with the Joneses. So keeping up with the Joneses is something that is just so prevalent in our society, and it's not genetic because there are other countries, such as Denmark, who just simply don't have this pressure. And as a result, they don't have the debt that we have. They have a different value system when it comes to money. So I encourage people to say, I am not going to buy a new car. My car is six years old. It will last at least until 12 years or 15 years. And it doesn't matter that my neighbor just got a new car. And I don't need another big screen TV. And what I did last year is I decided for three months I was not going to buy any clothing. I had plenty of clothes. And so by saying very deliberately, it's not something we can just kind of slide into, but very deliberately making these changes Then you can have conversations with the kids and the grandkids, and you can say, we're not buying a car. Instead, we're saving for your college. We're saving for our retirement. We're living within our means, and we're not keeping up with the Joneses. And those are all very powerful statements to talk with your kids about. So one issue is that we do have to talk about money, and past generations were really hesitant to do that. But then we also need to be those strong role models and and they will pay attention and they will learn from us
0: well you know you said one word that struck me so much and that is deliberate and and very few important good enormous things happen when people aren't deliberate <laughs> You know, you do have to be specific and deliberate. And I love the fact that you say communicate about it, of course, is important, too. Well, you know, there's that saying that money buys happiness. And yet you said, really consider what's going to make you happy. And it may not be what you buy.
1: That is so true. And my research led me to the conclusion money does not buy happiness. It certainly doesn't guarantee happiness because we've all known a lot of people who are very wealthy and very unhappy. So it's other things, such as our relationships with friends and family. And we really need to focus on strengthening those, especially if there's some that we feel need attention. That's the number one way to become happier is to focus on friends and family. And then also spending money on experiences rather than things. So research has shown... Buying more things, more materialistic type of things simply does not bring us happiness, but these experiences that we'll remember forever do. And other things like focusing on gratitude, nurturing our creativity, even though we live these really hectic lifestyles, finding some time, taking a class, or finding some time to slip away occasionally and decide that you want to draw a picture or you want to write a poem or something, that brings us happiness giving back to the community is a huge way to give us happiness. And neuroscientists have shown that when we give back, there are actually reward centers in our brain that light up, so it actually makes us feel better. So those are the types of things that truly bring us happiness and truly make us rich.
0: And that is so true. And, of course, financial security keeps you comfortable and a little less stressed. So it's important. It's just that the things you buy with the money from your security do not necessarily make you so. Again, the name of the book is The Joy of Financial Security, The Art and Science of Becoming Happier, Managing Your Money Wisely, and Creating a Secure Financial Future. Uh, Donna skeel thank you so much for joining us today on Amy's Table. Thanks for the tips. They're all good ones. Again, make sure to get to Donna's website, which is joyoffinancialsecurity.com. Check out that free net worth statement calculator and get started on having your own financial security. Donna, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks very much, Amy. It's been a pleasure.
0: Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102.